And joining me now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat from somewhere near Heartland. Hey, Al. I have never uh, seen Ghostbusters. It's uh, oh. you know, it seems like I have, but <laughs> I, I've never seen it. And I, I like Bill Murray. I, yeah. I have no reason for not having seen it. It's just sometimes things fall into the cracks of a life, and I guess that was one that fell into a crack. I don't know what was going on at that time. But well, Al, one of my it. one of my most memorable. Um, Remain, uh, rem- memories of that show was the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man who basically is like King Kong and, and takes over the city. So imagine a bunch of marshmallows made into a, like a giant, giant, you know, person kind of, but it's the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. And that's like my most vivid <laughs> memory from that movie as he's going through the city like King Kong, you know. So it's really, you got to see it because uh, that, that alone is worth it. And I have no problem in imagining that happening with marshmallows. I fully <laughs> expect that to happen any day. So I, yeah, yeah, I will. It, there's a, a few movies that are uh, oh, that people know. They're kind of uh, people can make a comment, and everybody gets it except me. And then they have to explain it to me because yeah. I'm there with those deer in the headlights look, and they say, "No, you didn't see that, did you?" And I said, "No, I, I didn't." But but I will, and uh, I know uh, that sometimes I won't, but I, I have good intentions, and I think that's important. I, I do want to thank, again, I always do this first because I don't want to forget uh, the Austin Lions 75th anniversary banquet and all the kids and chaperones and teachers at the science conference at uh, Gustavus for allowing me to yap to them. They're just, um, they all enhanced my existence, just wonderful people. Uh, the other day I walked, I say I walked land miles in new hiking boots because I was unable to find a short pier on which to take a long walk as had been suggested. <laughs> my my old shoes had become more duct tape than footwear. Oh, no. I bet somebody out there has shoes like that where they're you just love them, and you, so you just keep adding duct tape to them. My feet are substantial. They're size 14s, Ooh. and the store had measured my dogs. Because <laughs> I believe you get what you measure, but the boots that I bought weren't up to the task. They were improper infrastructure. And I didn't notice the problem right away because I'm a male demonstrating a shortage in the sensitivity department. But by the time I recognized the complication, my tootsies were tender. So I sat in my office considering my tortured trotters. And I wasn't licking my wounds because they were on my big toes and my second-in-command toes, whatever you call those. And I looked out the window to see a tufted titmouse. It was the second I'd ever seen in my yard. The icing on that birding cake was a golden crown kinglet right near it. And that's a regular bird of passage in my yard, but I could never see too many, and especially up that close. And it turned everything into a good day, even with the sore feet. But I still had to return the footwear that I didn't have for long because they weren't long enough. And I needed to return them before the statute of limitation expired. Comfortable shoes are an important part of birding 
as they are of pretty much everything in life, even if you're just sitting in your office or in your kitchen or your living room looking out the window, if you're not barefooted, man, comfortable shoes. And I did pick up some now, and uh, they seem to add a little bit more comfort, although those wicked ones have still left me with sore toes, which is a nasty thing. Uh, Don C.F., This would be from last week's show. I asked, does LB know what birds eat the worm out of the pod from the goldenrod plant? I use them for ice fishing. That's a great question, Don. On many goldenrod plants, when everything kind of dies down, a lot of the vegetation, we'll see a lot of the goldenrod plants with swellings on them. And that's evidence of a critter present. And these thick growths are known as galls, G-A-L-L-S. And they show the activity of insects. In the summer, it's easy to find galls on oaks, cherries, even blackberries. But generally, this growth is caused by a reaction of the plant to insect eggs. So an insect places an egg there, and the plant swells up. And the insect grows up and leaves home. On the stem of the goldenrod is a this ball-shaped swelling, and it's composed of the plant cells of the stem. It's hard, and inside, again, is this larva, and it's a larva of the goldenrod gall fly. And the egg was laid there in the summer. It hatched to become a worm-like larva called a grub. It survives these cold days like we're getting now and going to have, by ridding itself of moisture so it won't freeze and it forms a type of antifreeze in its body and before going dormant it excavated a route towards the outside upon awakening in the spring the larva forms a pupa and then as an adult fly it leaves on this constructed route the tiny fly will mate lay eggs in the new growth in the summer and it all starts over again But the secret is, if it's not discovered by a chickadee or a downy woodpecker, it survives. Or an ice fisherman. Those are the three prime uh, predators, I would guess, and maybe the mower. Uh, So, yeah, great question. Uh, Gunnar Berg of Albert Lee sent some photos of white-throated sparrows. And they are so beautiful. And if you see them out there, you will notice they come in two, two... well, there's some that have brown, kind of brownish head or tan is what I call it, but everybody has a different name for that. And then those are with the white stripes, and it's the same species. It's just two forms of that species. Uh, Cindy Drill of North Mankato said this morning there was a nice group of mixed robins and cedar waxwings jockeying for a spot to drink. The first waxwings that have been here since very early spring We spent some time doing yard work, so that kept all but the most persistent visitors from dropping in. But since we left the backyard, we are once again seeing robins. Currently, there is a large flock of common grackles in a neighbor's tall tree with frequent individuals dropping down into the yard and then returning to the group. They appear to be discussing the weather in a loud and enthusiastic manner up there. I have no doubt they talk about the weather. 
Dean Musing said, Al, I just saw a great documentary about the migration of birds. It was filmed in South Texas, where many birds travel. Birders is the name, and it was on Netflix. It was 37 minutes long. And uh, thank you much, Dean. I hope a lot of people get to watch it. And, again, this will not surprise anyone. I I don't have Netflix. But I will be watching there uh, with you in spirit. And I have birded in South Texas a lot in the lower Rio Grande Valley, and it's a, a birder's paradise down there. Tom Jessen, TJ from Medelia, had a brown creeper in his yard, which is just a, a really neat little bird. And I told this story last year. I was teaching a class at Gustavus, and there was a cat outside that had a bell on it, and uh, oh, it had all kinds of stuff on it. And there was a little brown creeper, and as we were watching, the cat got the brown creeper just without any problem whatsoever. Uh, this was an Aesop's fable, I think, wasn't it, about belling the cat where the mice had a meeting and they said we're going to put a bell on the cat and then we'll know it won't be able to get us. But then they said, well, who's going to put the bell on the cat And from that belling the cat? Uh, Bev Hart said, uh, Al, in September I saw two winged insects intertwine flying, and then they dropped on the deck. The biggest wasp I'd ever seen picked up a cicada and flew away. The next week, I saw a brown object on a bird feeder, so I touched it with a stick. It fell to the ground, and out fell a cicada. I hurried in for a phone call. When I returned, the cicada was gone. Hope the wings dried out and it flew away. Mother Nature is putting on a show in my backyard. Never saw a cicada till last year when 10 dead ones fell on my deck. Hope they will still be here next year. They really are an ugly bug. Oh, that hurts hurts them a lot. And then she says, I hope you think this was interesting. Well, Bev, I thought it was incredibly interesting. And, yeah, those are cicada killer wasps. And how nice of you to... uh, to email. I I think I mentioned a little bit last week about the Austin becoming a bird city and I got a nice email from somebody saying what what does that what do you have to do to become a bird city? You know, can you have one house sparrow there then you're a bird city. Which is a good point. Uh, bird city uh, Audubon Minnesota's bird cities enact bird friendly solutions that give birds a chance to thrive alongside humans migratory birds are a focus because birds don't recognize governmental boundaries like states counties and cities so healthy habitats in cities provide crucial resources for birds the award was presented at a place that was a prime factor in them becoming Bird City. It was at the J.C. Hormel Nature Center. Uh, J.C. Hormel has uh, over 500 acres, I want to say 534, of prairie, forest, and wetland habitat. Uh, it's a delightful place. And uh, go there a lot because a friend, Dix Maybe, banded a 10-year-old chickadee there. And I figure a place good enough for that chickadee is more than good enough for me. A listener says, am I seeing more Cooper's hawks than I used to? Yes, you are. According to Project Feeder Watts, their numbers have quadrupled from 1989 to 2016. 
And a lot of it is still one of those things where they outlawed DDT and some other pesticides has uh, has helped a lot of different birds. Um, it says, Al, you mentioned about monarch butterflies getting to Mexico. How long does it take them to get there? Um, yeah, that's a... You just think, I, you look at a little butterfly out there and you say, this guy is going to Mexico? Are you kidding me? He can, I don't think he can fly out of the yard. Monarchs can travel between 25 to 100 miles a day. So that means they can take up to two months to come complete their journey. Uh, some travel, those from far north of us, they say up to 3,000 miles total. One banded one they figure out covered 265 miles in one day. And if they have a, a wind, of course, they can travel a lot more than when they have to do it on their own energy. But the monarchs arrive in their winter home by around the 1st of uh, November, which uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that is uh, around the day of the, the dead in Mexico. So it's kind of, I think some of them use it in there in their celebration or their honoring of uh, those that have passed on. I checked a flight from Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport to Mexico City International Airport, and they tell me it's 1,785 miles. The thing is, hardly any monarchs take those flights. Uh, they roost in, uh, is it OML, OML, fir trees, and it's a small area, must be a couple hours west of Mexico City. And there was a monarch in my yard on October 22nd, and I'm sure some had it later than that, and I might have too. I've just gone for a while there. But I told this one to scram. I, I love monarchs, but I said, you need to get out of here. I can't have you here anymore. So it it flew south. I watched it go across the road safely, so hopefully it'll make it down there. This is uh, something that, we've talked about before too is it okay to feed bread to ducks i remember they we always used to tease about it being a used bread store mm-hmm. and of course it wasn't a used bread store it was a oh a day old bread store there was a, a company that had a route and they deliver bread to places and they didn't sell it they took it to this bread store and they would sell it at a discounted rate well, people would go there and buy these huge bags, me included on occasion, huge bags of bread. And we'd take it out, and I fed it to not only our chickens and things at home, but we'd take some down and feed it to the the ducks that were in the channel. And, oh, they just, they became, they were our biggest fans. Anybody that showed up with a big bag of bread, the ducks would just come over there. They were mallards. And ducks, geese, and swans can digest bread without any problem. The, the Royal Society of the Protection of Birds, and that's from the U.K., and they've been around for a long time and do a lot of wonderful things. They say feeding small amounts of bread is not harmful. And I guess um, the secret there is probably small amounts of bread. They they need to eat other things, too. But well, what is a small, small amount, amount, though? Because I was going to say, you know, for us, one slice might be small, but for a duck, that might be a lot. Yeah, and that's a good question. And um, unfortunately, it's one I don't have an answer to. 
but I guess if you got, I would think if you have a good sized flock of ducks out there and you bring out a loaf of bread and you throw it out there maybe a couple, once, twice a week, something like that, I would think I would, it wouldn't be a problem more than likely because then they're getting other things to eat. They're flying out in the fields and getting corn or who knows what they're finding. There are so many things on the Internet uh, that claim feeding bread leads to something called angel wing, hmm. which is a deformity of the wings. Oxford University stated there's no evidence of a connection between feeding bread and angel wing. But what research has been done on angel wing has shown that maybe inappropriate diet, heredity, and lack of exercise are possible causes. So inappropriate diet, maybe if they eat nothing but bread, maybe it could cause a problem. But there's, there isn't... There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of research done on this. One said that some of the uh, some birds that grow too fast, so perhaps some of those that are not wild birds, but are birds that are uh, grown for the meat industry, might develop angel wing. But I can only find out one thing on that. So um, this is true, though. I do know internet research did show that more than 98% of tax cheats are bread eaters. So I think that one we can say that is true. It's uh, it's uh, a beautiful time of still seeing some uh, turkey vultures flying over. And they somebody asked, I had a nice uh, text from somebody, said, why are vultures, when they fly, why are their flights so rocky? And the... I watched one yesterday, and boy, you could say that that was an unstable flight. A turkey vulture soars with its wings held in a shallow V called a dihedral, and it wobbles as it searches for thermals or food. And this teetering, which I believe scientists have termed contorted soaring, which is hmm. a perfect name, uh, they use atmospheric updrafts to subsidize flight. So they're just moving along, uh, finding a thermal. And you can see if they lose a thermal, then they have to flap their wings. And when you see a turkey vulture, notice that if you see one today, that they have relatively small heads. And when you see them in a high flight, they look headless. <laughs> and you see them a little bit lower, and the ends of their wings look like our fingers. So they're, uh, they're beautiful flyers. They get a lot of miles in with little use of energy. And I, I keep uh, thinking they'll stay a little bit later each year, maybe. There's just getting more and more of them around here. And I think they can take the cold, uh, but maybe not. And when their food uh, sources freeze, it makes it impossible for them to find uh, things to eat. But this time of year, we used to raise pumpkins a lot, and we always had more pumpkins than we could ever do anything with. So we would feed them to the pigs. Pigs loved pumpkins. You'd throw them out there, and they'd smash apart, and they'd just come, the thundering herd. The other thing that would eat pumpkins, rotted pumpkins, were turkey vultures. And each year I see them out in large pumpkin fields, the fields of pumpkin, 
and there they are out there eating rotten pumpkins. So it's, that's their pumpkin pie, I would suppose. So, but I love seeing them. This is a time of year, folks, to look for milkweed seeds flying in the wind on silk. Uh, look for northern harriers. They were once called marsh hawks. They fly low over the fields and marshes when hunting. And harriers typically move south away from heavy snow cover. So when we get a lot of heavy snow, they're usually out of here because it just screws up their hunting process. Asparagus acquires this lovely yellow to gold color. It's one of our most beautiful plants. Uh, Buckthorn shrubs, which most people will say is not one of our most beautiful plants, but they do retain those green leaves. It's a deciduous shrub, but it retains those green leaves long into winter. And more spiders are being seen in houses. I'm sure someone somewhere is just absent-mindedly telling a cab driver to follow that spider and step on it. We have a lot of spiders, and it's, it's just that time of year when the spiders come in the house or those that are in the house become more active and the young spiders are out and about. And, uh, uh, you know, if they bother you, go watch, uh, maybe instead of watching Ghostbusters, go watch uh, Charlotte's Web or read Charlotte's Web a couple of times. And then you'll look at a spider in a in a different a different way they're just uh, they're really cool I, I love everything about a spider i've often heard that and you probably have too karen where it's, it's one of those internet things again that we all swallow like eight spiders is it <laughs> i've seen where it's eight spiders a year and eight spiders in our lifetime all right who is uh, who is counting that who knows that i mean is there a camera on you i mean i'm serious that to me can't be real because unless you're awake yeah i don't know i mean i know i've swallowed bugs because i'll be out in the garden mowing and singing or something and i'll be like Ugh! but who can make those statistics and believe them really yeah and i um had a group of young kids that are so smart and one of them said they're oh, i can't i don't remember a parent anyway i told them this you swallow eight spiders a day and i thought <laughs> oh my gosh you know first spiders want to live too so they're not going to say i think i'm going to go in this guy's mouth um, we make noises when we sleep, and, and not just snoring, but we make sounds and things. So a spider doesn't want to be around us. It's not going to crawl up and say, hey, I wonder what's down in there. So it, it's just one of those things that's not going to work. Has anybody ever swallowed a spider? Well, I'm, I'm sure they have. Some probably intentionally saying, I wonder if that thing's good to eat, and they eat one, but... Yeah, it's just one of those things that it doesn't happen. We're not going to eat the spiders. Uh, I have a question for you. So when you accidentally swallow a bug, sometimes, you know, they're still alive when they're going down and you can feel them in your throat. How long does it take before they actually actually die? Because you've ever had that one, all of a sudden you're like, maybe like, well, usually for me, it's like because I'm singing or something in the yard and all of a sudden something, I'm like, you try and get it out and you can't. And then you feel like the movement. Anyway, so that's a weird question. What are you? What are you singing in the yard that attracts all these insects? I think it's just that my mouth is big and it's wide open. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought maybe it was a certain kind of song no. you were saying. They say, hey, what's that? Let's go see. 
I wouldn't think it would take very long before all our digestive juices and things <laughs> would get after that insect. I'm I'm an old farm guy, you know, so we'd be out in that tractor and you're going along and if if you yawned, you swallowed something, uh-huh. a mosquito or and, and everybody swallowed a mosquito. This spent uh, more than about 5 minutes out in the spring or summer in this uh, in the Gopher state. So we we all eat them and we don't seem to be any worse for the wear so to speak from eating those. But yeah, I wouldn't think it would last very long once we swallowed it. And I, uh, a guy was telling about bats, how many mosquitoes they eat, and I'm sure they eat a lot, and they probably chase a lot of mosquitoes away. And um, so you know, they're they're little mammals. They eat a lot of mosquitoes, and they do well. So if we eat a couple, I think we'll be okay. And uh, Maybe check what kind of songs you're singing and see if that's a way to attract them. It maybe it attracts maybe there's a certain kind of song that attracts Japanese beetles. I'm seeing a, a skunk and raccoon signs, a lot of dead raccoons and skunks on the road. But I'm seeing where they're digging up grubs and lawns. Uh, they're really busy at it. They like those nice big white juicy grubs. And some of those grubs in the lawn are Japanese beetles, so they are getting rid of a few of them out there. And it's um, they're welcome to do that. We have more than enough. And I do know, Karen, that this is a, a time of the, uh, oh, I almost said taking the pledge. I guess that's sort <laughs> of it. Pledge drive. But, uh, yeah, and... Uh, did you I, see I that somebody did this morning, somebody in honor and a celebration of Al Bat being on the air for 35 years, did a pledge and did a matching grant, and we met that right away. Because yesterday we had one for Cooking with Joe that somebody loved his show, and I said it at the beginning of, of the show, and, well, nobody could hear us talking about giving you know the, the call-in. So I did it this morning, and somebody loves you, Al. And just like that, we had people call in, so uh, just wanted to say Hey Al, you you're uh, you're awesome, and we do are continuing the pledge drive as you know. And I uh, I appreciate I, thanks to everybody who listens, and thanks to all who have have the ability to give and and do so. I know it uh, sometimes it's there's a lot of demands on our wallet, mm-hmm. and I just appreciate people who are are willing to willing to do that. And CAMSU is is great. It's something that you don't find anywhere else there's not a a kmsu in every city so i i I appreciate kmsu and gail and i have been uh, um, we donate every year too so we we appreciate everything that's uh, kmsu provides it's uh, it's great radio so i and before you go i want to say our friend john has a question for you why couldn't dracula's wife get any sleep Oh my gosh! Why couldn't Dracula's wife get any sleep? I do not know. <laughs> because Dracula kept coughing. Oh <laughs> gosh, John, he kept coughing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where John gets all those. I don't either, but there. he's got he's got a lot of them. That's for sure. And and he wants me on. He says, "Don't forget the on." Uh, let's see, what is Thanksgiving, or Thanksgiving? I mean, Halloween is on Thursday. He says, I need to change my na- name for that day to be Scarin' Fright. 
So I got and yours yours Scare is kind of fright. Scare and fright, you know, like Karen Wright, but care, Scare and fright. <laughs> yes, and and yes. you you're kind of already there, Al Bat. That's kind of got the connotation I, of Halloween I too. I got the whole Halloween thing going on, and yeah, and how Halloween has changed. I I was just telling some young folks, you know, back when I was a boy, <laughs> we didn't really go much trick or treating. We went to the school. Oh, you and did. They gave you. Yeah, they gave us more treats, and we we staggered out of there without uh, without any uh, tricking really being done. I know some of the older kids would find outhouses and stuff. There was a, a root beer stand, A and W root beer stand, and about every year somebody would find an old outhouse and drag it and put it in the parking lot oh, where the um, where the the car hops would come out. Then there'd be an outhouse there, which of course off the people that had the NW Red Bear stand and police investigated but no no arrests have yet been made so it was uh, they were different times. Well do you know what we used to do Al when people used to come to our house because we lived in the country so we rarely got any if if ever we got any maybe one or two so mom and dad never really had anything because we were always in the barn anyway milking cows so when somebody would come we'd be like what do we give them so what we had in the house my dad and mom always loved to make cakes we give them a big piece of cake (laughs) <laughs> Imagine oh. putting that in your bag. Here, have some cake or a donut or something. So yeah, I don't think we were the uh, the favorite place in the the neighborhood, but because that's all we had. When get what, you get what My you get. My wife and I lived lived in town for um, a couple of years, I guess, and there were so many. You know, you'd turn on your porch light, and they just kept coming mm. and coming. And each year, we'd buy more candy. And you'd still run out, and you hated to give them crackers and things because then they <laughs> might come back and toilet paper your house. So you'd you'd have to kind of turn off the light and hide in a darkened room so they thought you were gone. And I remember when I was in college talking to one of my roommates, and he was from South Dakota, and he said he went for a uh, trick-or-treat once, and he went to a place, and apparently they had run out of uh, things to give away, because they gave him uh, a pack of, oh, I, I want to say they were pell-mell cigarettes. Oh, no. There was like oh. two missing out of the pack. And they brought home, and of course his parents had a cow and said, who did you get this from? And he honestly didn't know which place threw that in there. But he said he just figured that the people were, you know, either that or they're just sick of kids. and said, uh, give them the cigarettes and we'll be done. <laughs> I hope everyone uh, will come to the cafe today where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always Heimlich Maneuver and Gravy is considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers of less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. You know, not only bumpkins like pumpkins, the smell of pumpkin spice is in every working nostril. I think crop dusters find extra work by filling the air with it. It's in the coffee and the desserts. It's even in Spam. Scout's Honor, it's in Spam. They sold out in two hours, so you might not be able to find any. It might even be in our gasoline. Who knows? It's replaced the smell of burning leaves at this time of the year. A pumpkin spice. It's pumpkins gone mad, and it might be what the pottery barn smells like. And again, no surprise, I've not been to the pottery barn, but I'm thinking that's what it would smell like. Pumpkins were once recommended for removing freckles and curing snake bites. 
I've seen pumpkins big enough to take Cinderella to the ball. Aren't you glad they make pie from pumpkins? Pump pie, it's a wonderful thing. One year, my Aunt Helen lived in Algona, Iowa. She made chicken pot cake because she was out of pie crust. Remember, folks, heartless while we're driving past, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Do something wild today. Not only look at a bird, but uh, uh, donate to KMSU. And thank you, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company. Hey, Al, I do have one more question. I promised the listeners you would tell us what a stoat is because we have this new tote, and it's a goat in a coat on a boat with a stoat drinking a Rip Your Floats tote. That's a a $25 pledge level. People can get that, and so it's wonderful. It says, KMS, use my bag, and it's got all these things. And a lot of people Ah. are like, what is a stoat? And I knew you could explain it better than I. We've kind of talked about it, but I thought, well, Al would probably know and be able to give us a little clearer picture. You bet. It's a, um, a mammal of the weasel family. And uh, stoat, it's also known as an ermine short-tailed weasel, or simply weasel in the U.K. Uh, or the, it's, it's a weasel is what. <laughs> we don't call them stoats here much, but, you know, with a tote, you got to turn the weasel into <laughs> a stoat. But they're little guys. They have chestnut fur. They have white underparts. They have a, a black tip on the tail. And, again, they turn white in the winter, and they're called uh, ermine then. So uh, stoats are they're cool things, uh, cool little animals. I, I really like stoats, but we just uh, don't call them here. I think maybe in the U.K. is where you hear them called that a lot more often. Uh, another, I, yeah, that's a great, sounds like a great bag. Well, another thing that we do here at KMSU is expand people's knowledge, and we just did by you explaining what a stoat is, and now you can go around and tell all your friends about what that is and... Uh, if you want, pledge $25, and you could proudly carry that around, and you can point to it and, and explain it, like just like Al just did. Thanks, yeah. Al. <laughs> and when you have that brother-in-law, you know, that you refer to as the weasel all oh, the no. time, and it makes your <laughs> makes your sister mad, you can call him the stoat from now on, and maybe people won't take it so poorly. <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Al. Appreciate you. Talk to you next week. Yep. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Always great to talk to Al, and now we have an official official word on what a stoat is. And we still have a matching grant out there. So, you know, when we're talking to Al, we can't say, you know, call now, because we don't want to interrupt the flow of our conversation. But we do have a matching grant of $100 that we've got down $25, thanks to folks who have called in. So we have only $75 left to match, dollar for dollar, which, of course, means you double your pledge so uh, with that we need you to give us a call though so we can get that doubled before the end of the show we've got an just less than an hour left because this show goes till 11 30 the kmsu minnesota morning show so why don't you give us a call now and help us match that meet that matching grant i don't want to lose it we talked about yesterday we had a kind of a whoo one of those uh, mornings where we were so close yet so far to uh, and we we made it by the end of the show i don't want to have to have another one of those uh, sweating bullets so to speak so uh, let